Hi, this is Danielle Carissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 164 of Art for Your Ear. Today's episode is supported by my lovely friends at Thrive. As you know, I've spoken about Thrive a lot. Well, I wanted to mention something that you may not know they offer, which is the Thrive Network. It's kind of like a Facebook group for artists without all of the junk that comes along with Facebook. If you're looking for a really positive and supportive space on the internet with other practicing female and female-identifying artists where you can ask questions, share insights, and access resources, this is for you. And speaking of resources, Jamie and Tara, the founders, have created an entire resource library on the most asked artist questions and concerns over the last five years of them running Thrive. There is info about pricing your work, how to sell, uh, writing your artist statement, revamping your website, basically all of the things that come up as we're trying to figure out this whole art thing. It is so, so good, and I highly recommend checking it out. It's only $25 a month to have access, but they will let you dip your toe in before you commit. Yep, you can try the Thrive Network for free with a free week-long trial. Just head over to thriveartstudio.com network to check it out thriveartstudio.com slash network. So today, the very wise and equally hilarious Terrence Payne is back with another round of pain points with Terrence Payne. (laughs) He has written some really insightful documents for the artists at Rosalux, the gallery that he runs in Minneapolis. And so each time he's on the podcast, he's going to share another one of those docs with us. This time we are talking about social media what to focus on, what to avoid, all of the good, bad, and ugly in between. But before I let Terrence loose, I wanted to quickly talk about a couple of acronyms that I've been thinking about lately. JOMO and FOMO. (laughs) So everyone knows about FOMO because a lot of us have it. That is the fear of missing out. In fact, FOMO is such a real thing, it's even on dictionary.com. Seriously, this is their definition, and it is hilariously true. FOMO, anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. (laughs) Right? Good thing Terrence is on here to talk about good old social Um, Okay, so that's FOMO. But do you know about JOMO? I can't actually believe this, but it's on dictionary.com too. So, JOMO. A feeling of contentment with one's own pursuits and activities without worrying over the possibility of missing out on what others may be doing. Ah, yep, a JOMO is the joy of missing out, and it has been my jam for the last year or so. Just imagine if I had pajamas and a fluffy blanket that had JOMO written all over, getting cozy on the couch, thrilled not to be at whatever everyone else is at. Ah, I think my JOMO has come with age. I have absolutely no problem not being at all of the things all of the time. However, that was not always the case. When I was a teenager, and okay, let's be honest, through most of my 20s and 30s too, I needed to be everywhere all the time. In high school and university, if I didn't have plans for both Friday and Saturday night, I would be horrified. Now I'm over the moon when I've got a weekend free so that I can just drink coffee, make art, and hang out with my boys. But here's where things get tricky with JOMO. It is a slippery, fleece-lined slope, people. When is JOMO appropriate, and when am I just being an introvert who's trying to avoid leaving the house? Hmm, it's a very fine line. 
During my last episode with Ashley Longshore, I talked about feeling like I'm sort of on the edge of a precipice at the moment and that it's time to jump, to really take not only Jill's curator, but also my own artwork to the next level. Okay, well, Jomo ain't going to work for that. As much as we can do from our, behind our computers or on our phones, leaving the house is also kind of necessary. I can't do the things that I want to do, or more importantly, meet the people I really want to be connected with if I am wearing onesie pajamas alone in my house. Yep, it is officially time to add a little dash of FOMO back into my life. Carefully, though. I never, ever, ever want to go back to feeling like I need to be everywhere all the time. I'm old enough to know that all that's going to do is burn me out in about a week and a half. So, this is going to have to be a recipe that combines a scoop of FOMO with a dollop of Jomo on the top. Now, is that actually possible? Who knows, but I'm going to give it a shot. Sorry, PJs and slippers. It's time to share the spotlight with jeans and, yes, shoes. <laughs> so this is kind of a late-to-the-game 2020 resolution for me. Make the lists, send the emails, set up the coffee dates, put on some pants, and go get this shit done. Of course, my jammies will be in my suitcase, and I can pop them on the second I'm back in the hotel or home in my own house. All right, so the next tightrope that FOMO and JOMO make you walk is the age-old balance of two other little words, yes and no. We have talked a lot about not having guilt over saying no, especially if you're a people pleaser like I am. For people pleasers, saying no feels like you are punching someone in the face when all you're really doing is setting a few boundaries. So, yes, saying no can be a very powerful thing. But when Jomo gets a little too warm and cozy, the no's can start flowing so freely that you're actually screwing yourself over a bit, or a lot. Whew, I'm starting to get that same headache that that whole is it art or is it craft thing did last week. Anyway, here's the thing. You can't say yes to everything or else you'll go crazy. And you can't say no to everything or else you're going to miss out on some really great opportunities. So here we are on the FOMO JOMO tightrope. I think what it comes down to is trusting your gut. Say yes to the stuff that gets you excited and maybe even a little bit out of your comfort zone. Don't say yes because you're trying to please someone else. Seriously, the world will still continue to spin if you say no thank you. This of course leads to saying no. I think there are actually a bunch of different no's out there. First, there's the no because you just don't want to do it, because it serves you no purpose. Then there's the no you have to give because you're already too maxed out and you just can't handle anything else, but you still really want to do it. In those situations, you have a choice to make. You either have to drop something off your already full plate, say yes and just know that you're going to have a few crazy weeks, or say no in a way that leaves the door open for other possibilities down the road. Your email could read a little something like this. You could say, oh, you know, thank you so much for thinking of me, and as much as I'd love to be involved, I'm just too busy at the moment, but please think of me next time X comes up again as I'd love to work with you. I will bet 10 bucks you hear from them again. Oh, and I also do a little test with myself sometimes when I'm in this should I, shouldn't I situation. I pretend that I've actually sent the no thank you email. Do I feel totally relieved or super bummed out? That's my gut letting me know which way I should go. Now, if your gut feels foggy sometimes, <laughs> because I know that it does, reach out to somebody from your tribe and ask them for a straightforward opinion. 
they will give it because they always do. Okay, all of this FOMO talk has me thinking about social media again. So let's get to some serious pain points with my friend, artist Terrence Payne in Minneapolis. Good morning. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Good. Did you just gulp coffee? No, I just spit my gum out. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You're back. I am. You're back. You're back with more information. It's a new year. And um, the first thing that we have to talk about, though, you know, New Year's resolutions, you're doing everything right. Let's talk about you procrastinating (laughs) for all the work you need to do for your show. Yeah, I don't know if it's so much procrastinating or panicking. Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice fine blend. Do you just have so much to do? Yeah, well, I'm at a good point right now. I mean, the way that, you know, everybody works differently and does has different ways of getting to it. And I'm a big planner. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the most time consuming part of making my work is sort of all my sketching and writing down all my ideas and things like that. And I know the last time that we talked, I told you I had this like great idea and you know, that's like a million years ago. Now I'm not doing anything to do with that. (laughs) So all the work I did up to then is just garbage. And then I was just like, well, fuck now what do I do? And you know, now that's where I'm at right now. I finally like figured out where things were going because it's just kind of happens as you go. Yeah. And I was like, all right, now I just need to get there. So I have a show in February, and I've got most of the work completed. I've got all my plans done. I just need to finish rendering the last couple pieces. So I'm actually in a much better place than when I emailed you a week or two ago. (laughs) And then, so how? But then, but then you have to draw everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just that. Oh, just that. Mm -hmm. Cool. (laughs) And so how many pieces are you doing for the show? I'm going to end up with probably a dozen. And hopefully, you know, I always like to have a couple extra so I can kick something up. I don't like it if it's not working. And are they all gigantic? um, Well, in my world, gigantic? Yeah, in your world, gigantic. In my world, kind (laughs) of. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, some of the pieces... Nothing huge. They're all around, you know, four by five foot on the big end and then like two by three foot on the smaller end. Um, So, yeah. But I like them. Lots of animals. Kind of like lots of making fun of older men because that's where I'm going. I love Um, it. Is there lots of text in them again? Not as much. No, I mean, it's hidden here and there. Some letters. I, you know, I always like to play around with things like the last show was so text heavy. Right. Uh, It's just like, um, I kind of feel like that would be a crutch because I knew that that was working. Mm. And so now it's just like a lot of repetition and kind of turning these animals and the compositions almost into patterns. Mm. Um, So it's almost like, these textural compositions kind of things. What so, kind of know, animals I, have you got in there this time? Well, you know, I got some birds and some goats. And some, <laughs> <laughs> I've got some... Uh, Minnesota. The last, yeah, the last sketch I finished was a bunch of masturbating sloths. So oh, it looks yeah. like, you know, heading like really dark, stupid places. But I'm having fun with it. 
So that's all that really matters, I guess. That is um, truly I got my baboons. I got some, like, demon baby skeletons. Do you know? <laughs> oh, Merry Christmas. This is what you spent your holidays doing. <laughs> yeah, and we've been having our, our main bathroom remodeled in our house, and the plumbers have to come through my studio oh. to get to the basement. And when I was working on those demon baby things, they would just like stop and look at it. I'm like, you doing this for Halloween or something? I'm like, no, this is for every day. This is every day. <laughs> I'm just freaking those Let me out. show you the masturbating sloths while you're going through. Yeah, they don't talk to me anymore. They just kind of like, just come through. <laughs> <laughs> is it almost done? Um, the show? Well, no, bathroom. Be... No, the bathroom. Oh, fuck. Yeah. It's only been, like, forever. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be done hopefully this week, according to what I've been told. And then I don't have to shower in my, with the spiders in the basement anymore. Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah, well, that'll help, too, probably alleviate some stress. Then you can just color. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. That's all I want to do, man. Yeah. I don't want to talk to plumbers. No. When you do color, do you just kind because you've done all your planning, you've got it everything there. Do you just kind of zone out? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, honestly, like, so when I go into making work for a show, I have like three or four set compositions, you know, and I have, um, you know, I do the drawings, my sketching on tracing paper with pencil, and then I do uh, sort of an ink line of that that I photograph and then I vectorize it and I put it in Photoshop and then I figure out my color compositions and kind of fine tune everything in the size and shape of the piece. And then when I do the drawing with the oil pastels, you know, I blow it up big and that just totally changes everything because, you know, my relationship in a physical world to it, it's just like, oh, I didn't see that before. So things will change a little bit. But then when I'm, you know, just doing the drawing is actually I start thinking about what it actually means. And mm. that's where I come up with the titles sometimes because, you know, I've got nothing else to do for a couple days. And <laughs> it, it'll make me think of it'll like trigger things. Um, and then I'll start thinking of the next pieces and then. You know, that's kind of where everything really gels as far as like putting a body of work together. Yeah. Because then I'm like, oh, I get it now. This is this. And that's why I was like being drawn to this imagery or whatever. You know, I've been it's like therapy for me. It's mm-hmm. like pulls things out. And I'm like, well, that's why I've been obsessed with this, because that guy pissed me off. So this <laughs> is what the show's about. So here we go. Um. OK, so once again, it's time for. Pain points with yes. parents' pain. Let's point some things out. Let's do it. You sent me another big document that is covered. I have it all highlighted, and mm. you're very smart. Well, I don't know about that. Well, I think they're practical. No, but it's it's kind of it's kind of like clearing through the fog, and like yeah, they are practical, and it's sort of like oh yeah, of course. But I think yeah. sometimes when it's your own work. You don't mm-hmm. think about it. It's really hard to see the forest for the trees. And I just really like all this stuff that you say because it's like, oh, of course, of course I should be yeah. doing this or that. And it's not to say that, like, you know, what I've outlined for you is going to work for everybody. But this is kind of like trial and error uh, that I've had 
over the years of trying to figure all these things out, you know? Yeah. And some things like raised to the surface of that, that seemed kind of obvious to me, like looking back at it with a little bit of time between me and trying to figure things out. Um, so I just wrote these down. And again, this was something that we use for our artists at Rose Lux and they all found it helpful. So hopefully your listeners will too. Yeah, I'm sure and, they will. And so today we're going to talk about um, branding and mm-hmm. social media type um, mm-hmm. stuff and um, um, how to kind of get, I don't know how to word it, like how to um, sort of get in front of your audience, I guess, in a smart way within social and all that jazz. Well, just I like to think of about how to best use the online tools available to you. Okay. To for your studio practice, um, you know, one of the mistakes that I've made in the past, and that I have talked to a lot of our artists that have made the same mistake too, is like trying to use like every new app or yeah. media platform to try and engage with like a super broad audience, you know. And a lot of things you're gonna find you're just not comfortable with, and then they just kind of sit there like. I don't know. I, you know, and then you have guilt about it because it's sitting there and you feel like you're, that's so many people say like, Oh, I should be doing this, this and this. And it's just sitting there and I'm not, it's like, don't don't stress yourself out. If that clearly it's not working, if you're not doing, you know, two thirds. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not comfortable with it and it doesn't seem to make sense for what you want to say or what your point of view is, then, you know, maybe it's not meant to be. It's like dating, you know, you're just like, Oh, really? You said that, Well, we're not going to see each other again. (laughs) Kind of thing. So, is that what the like women I, said to you? No, it's more like I can't believe I farted in the car. So <laughs> that's the end of that. But oh, poor Carolyn. Um, I know we say it every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, where should we start? Are we starting at the top of the dock? Yeah, like let's. I think it all. I mean, mainly this is geared more towards online sort of branding. I think we talked a lot the last time about sort of presenting your work and yourself face to face. And this is more, um, you know, how to put yourself out there and get more eyeballs on the, the world wide web sort of thing. And mm-hmm. it kind of all starts with your website. That's really kind of the hub. And it drives me nuts when I see um, artwork from artists that I really like. And the first thing that I always do is kind of go look for them online and see what other things they've done. And I can't find anything because they, they don't have a website, mm-hmm. which to me is just like, did you park your horse and buggy behind the gallery when you hung your show? Like, what's the, f- <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Like I get some people, you know, have representation and they just let them handle all that. But I think the majority of people, like you kind of got to do it yourself. And it's so easy now. Like, you know, when I made this um, article that I sent you, it was a couple of years old. I've updated some things here. But, you know, since then, it's become even easier. Um, there's web platform companies like Wix and Squarespace that literally you pick a template that you like, that you think would be good for your work. And you just plug things in. You can customize it for there, from there and play around. And the tools are pretty intuitive to use you can have a really nice looking website that communicates everything you want to communicate to your audience and you know with all the bells and whistles for really not very much of an 
investment as far as time and money go. Mm-hmm. I just did a Squarespace one. It was so yeah. easy because it used to be like I was a web designer for years and years and years mm-hmm. and um, like starting in 2000 when there was barely a web websites and um, it was expensive to like hire someone to build your site or if you didn't know how to do it, you would end up doing these terrible looking sites because you were just sort of winging it. But yeah, like all these sites are so good now. There's just plug yeah. and play and off you go. Yeah, they're cool. And, you know, um, you know, where I always start is like looking at other artists' websites and seeing what they're doing. And like if there's things about um, certain sites that you like, just take a note of it. And so when you're putting your own site together, you know, figure out what your priorities are. And it all goes back to, again, what we talked about last time about setting goals for your studio practice. Um, so, you know, if just getting exhibitions and things like that in the portfolio obviously is going to be the most important part of your site mm-hmm. and artists organize those in different ways I just kind of throw things up and it's just all in there chronologically um, other people you know break it up by body of work because they're pretty distinct um, breaks between shows and that's a nice way to organize things for some people and other people keep it pretty sparse and just keep it pretty contemporary um, and just link to other places for other shows and things like that. And those are all things that work for different artists. If you are geared more toward selling your art online, then, you know, um, having a, a website host that has an interface for an online store is going to be really important to you. And that's actually something that's really easy to do now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just kind of think about where you're going, what you want to do with it and kind of look around and take notes off of what other people are doing and then, you know, put your plan together. And I like what you said here too, about it sort of being your hub. Like that's mm-hmm. even how I view Dell's curator. Like, um, back in the day, I got lots of traffic to my site. Now I barely get any traffic to my site, but yeah. it's all there. Like everything is there if people mm-hmm. need it. And it like, it links to all my podcasts. It links to my books. It links to today's posts, like everything. Um, but people don't come that much, but I, I just love that everything is in one spot. Yeah. And like when I'm talking about like, um, making a strategy for how you're using social media and things. And just like, you know, you have your website, everything links back to that website. And then you have analytics hooked up, you know, with your website, you can see, you can see who, who's looking at it, what they're looking at. Um, you know, these are all tools that you can see is like what's working. And, uh, you know, I still, but well, we're going to get into this as we go through this, but um, it's still the most important part of my online strategy is my website and I'm due for an overhaul on my website. So please don't um, be too critical. If you go look at my website, (laughs) you're like, and another thing also just don't go and look at mine. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, that's the other thing. I mean, you're doing all these things as an artist and your number one thing is to create art. And like, this is an important thing, but it's like once a year I go back and like try to reinvent the wheel with it. Cause you know, I try things out. They don't work, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to work on my website every day. I'm going to monitor like if I have sales in my shop and I'm going to like update new work as I have it. But really it's not like something that I'm into it every day. It's just kind of there and I'm using social media to drive traffic there every day. So, right, you you know, it's kind of, you know, time management is important with this stuff too. Mm -hmm. So, 
be aware of that. Okay, so let's talk about social media. Yeah, and like I said before, not everything's right for everybody, and things change so much so quickly. It's um, good to find a groove and be aware of what's out there, but also be aware of who you are um, and what will work for you. You know, like TikTok's the new thing, but I don't do a lot of video Mm -hmm. uh, just because I'm like, what am I going to (laughs) do? You know? Yeah you know, watch me juggle crayons, like that's not going to happen. So, (laughs) you know, if I'm like making something like, um, when I was doing quilts, you know, it's good. Like I, uh, what's for, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's talk about building a narrative. Okay. Cause that's really what you're doing. Okay. And think about like, what's the story you want to tell with your social media about your work and your studio practice. Um, I know it's really tempting to, post online about pets and babies and things like that. But unless that's integral to your work, that's probably not what you want to use um, for your studio practice online present. Mm-hmm. A lot of artists that I know have several different accounts with all their platforms so they can do more personal things for friends and family that, like I take tons of pictures of my dogs and that's what I use that one for. (laughs) But for my art, I try to be pretty disciplined about what I'm doing. So the way that I do it is I like to think about mainly I use Instagram. That's my jam. Yeah. It's it's visual and it's great. And I kind of like to, as I'm, as time moves towards the show, I like to tell sort of a story about, how this show is being made, what are the things? And, you know, individually it tells a little bit about what's going on, but over time these things link together and give people a good idea about what's coming up with the show. And I'm just trying to build anticipation Mm -hmm. to drive people through the door of the gallery is my goal with that. And also um, bring them back to my website where they can get a more clear idea of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And the sneak peeks are so cool because I feel like mm-hmm. um, people then feel like you've let them in. Yeah, exactly. And they're invested yeah. in your work too because they got to see this sort of behind the scenes. And I always love that when I'm writing about somebody. I always go to their, like I'll usually grab their work off their site because the images are bigger um, and there might be close-ups and stuff. But then I go mm-hmm. to Instagram to look, and I just screen grab um, like the behind the scenes and yeah. work in progress, or you can see scale, or you can see um, the sketch process, or whatever, because it's so interesting to know where this final piece came from. Yeah, and people want to, I mean, when you're when you're talking to people about your art, um, a lot of times they want to know about how you make it, where is it made, and things like that, and this is a good way to tell that story, mm-hmm. because it's something that, you know, your audience aren't, isn't generally artists, the largest part of your audience are intrigued by art and artists, and you know, they have preconceptions of what it is and for you to be able to tell them in a visual language what your life is as an artist is incredibly interesting to them. Like to me, you know, it's my daily whatever. But I've realized over time that like, yeah, they want to see like where I'm drawing my inspiration from. So and include well, to other artists that you're really psyched about and interested in and you're stealing from. So, (laughs) well, and I also think like with you, for example, when you were just telling us at the beginning about, you know, 
first you do this, then you do ink, and then you scan mm-hmm. it, and then you take it out. And it's just like, first of all, I mean, your work is so impressive when you see it anyway, but it's like, holy shit, like there's hours and hours and hours before you even get to the oil pastels. Um, and I think that makes those collectors and the people that are interested value it even more to realize you don't just sit down and like, you know, yeah. crank it out. It's just like, I think that's important for people to understand. Like these things take a huge amount of time, a huge amount of thought. And, mm-hmm. um, and then, I mean, going back to what we talked about last time about pricing, it's like that all goes into it. And so if you yeah. can kind of show people like, Hey, this wasn't just like a, you know, a 10 minute thing. It's like the, the, a lot went into this. I think there's so much value in that too. Yeah. And to speak to branding a little bit, I think, um, you know, there's value to the art, but there's also value to the relationship that they have with you as an artist. And by giving them insights into how your studio practice works and how your mind works creatively, you know, they're drawn closer to you in that yeah. relationship and they put more value into that. And, you know, it's kind of like um, how people support their hometown sports team or yeah, whatever, totally. you know. They become your booster and, you know, those people that you can excite and get talking about your work are going to be the best salespeople you'll ever find. Yeah. Because it's one thing for me to say, this is my best piece ever. And they're like, whatever, you're just trying to make money. But if somebody else says that who doesn't have a vested financial interest in the outcome of it, you know, that that means something else. Yeah, true. Um, But anyway. So, yeah, so that's something to think about with the branding. And so, like, you have your narrative and you have your story that you want to tell. Um, and that's going to be different for everybody um, is how much they're willing to let people in. And, um, you know, other good things to include with that, too. Or if you sell artwork, it's fun, I think, to have images of your work in people's homes mm-hmm. to help your audience visualize how that works as well. We're like, wow, people buy this. I could actually have this in my home. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool thing to start thinking about for them. Um, so when it, someone buys your pieces, do you ask them to send that to you? Yeah. If I, if it's not a local sale, I'll say, Hey, would you mind sending me a photo? I'd love to see what it looks like in your home. Okay. Kind of thing. And Hey, would you mind? And you know, that's part of, we talked about last time too, where we're doing these collectors articles with the gallery you know, really getting into people's homes mm-hmm. and seeing what kind of art they're collecting and like doing a nice, you know, lifestyle sort of photo spread of it. It's just kind of like, just kind of trying to start that conversation of, you know, people talking about collecting art and then seeing themselves as collectors, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. just like, you know, anybody can do it. All you have to do is love art and be able to afford, not even like everybody has accessible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so then, you know, there's these different platforms that are out there. Um, some of which for me have been more useful than others. Um, some of which have made themselves less useful by the way they've changed over time. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm talking about Facebook, which used to be great, but now it's kind of not so great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the problem Basically, I just use Facebook anymore. Um, I have that little button on my Instagram flipped, so everything I post to Instagram posts to Facebook. 
Mm. And that's really all the posting that I do on Facebook anymore. I use it mainly for um, sending invitations to shows. And does that work? Do you notice that that's a... Yeah, that still works pretty well. People, People are more likely to get that and see that than a post. I will pay to promote an exhibition opening with a post, you know, the week before a show opens. Um, but you know, used to be, you didn't have to pay. Used to be people would see it and it would just kind of pick up and you could manipulate it in a way that would work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so kind of Facebook, I'm just like, and their audience skews (laughs) a a little bit older too, which I'm always, which is good to know. Yeah. You know, if that's an audience you're interested in. Um, but you know, if you're going to use Facebook, you can still tag and link to other artists. Um, you know, if you're, if you're generous with your time and you're posting, especially on Facebook, like promote your friends shows and things like that. And they'll help you promote your shows too. It's more about, um, creating your own sort of online community with that one Mm -hmm. and supporting each other and hoping for the best is kind of the way that I look at it right now. So, Mm-hmm. You know, with our network within the gallery where I was promoting, you know, obviously the shows that we have, but then we're also using Facebook to promote shows that artists are having in other venues as well mm-hmm. in hopes that they'll return the favor, which people are good about doing. I mean, everybody kind of knows the game with that one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they limit the views to your posts unless you pay now, and um, it's made it a less useful tool. Yeah, and it just does have that ick factor where you're like, you know, no, I don't want to pay you. Yeah, and well, yeah, but it's kind of like, well, this is kind of the way things are now. You can be pissed off about it, or you can be like, well, I'm going to budget, you know, 100 bucks. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how much does it cost when you you, uh, pay to promote an event? You know, it costs as much as you want. It depends how much time... You want it to be up and mm-hmm. how many supposed views that it's going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, so with like Facebook, I'll spend 25 to $50 for the week leading up to an exhibition opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll usually, according to their analytics, get seen by 1,500 to 3,000 people, which is cool. But, you know, it's hard to know if people are taking action. But the posts that I make, I I either link it to um, the invitation that I have on Facebook or directly to um, my website so I can yeah. see where, if people are coming from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess we should backtrack a little bit about the website apps that you can get. Um, definitely do use those analytics yeah. to see who are you coming and where they're coming from because that helps you to kind of build your strategy. Um, over time and then also uh, what was the other one about Um, well I guess that comes later with the Google you know set those Google alerts and things like that too to see if other people are posting Mm -hmm. and things so you can return the favor do you Um, find that like um, because you obviously are good at this um, I have gotten good at this but when I first started and my husband's a strat like an online strategist so he set up mm -hmm. all the you know, insights and whatever. And I was just like, I, I don't know. Um, now I look at all of them. Do you find like when you give this kind of information to your artists at Rosalux, 
Mm-hmm. Are they looking at insights and stuff, or is it just like ah, it's just too much? Um, they've started to, especially with Mailchimp, because that one is such a direct sort of you're seeing the actions that are taking from your promotions that you're sending out to your different audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Mailchimp next because that's something that I've started using the last couple years and um, is actually giving me more information than anything else. Okay. Um, and MailChimp's the one that I use. I know that there are other um, platforms that you can use for sending out invitations and newsletters and things like that. The thing that I, I like about it is I'm able to break my databases up into several different mailing lists. Mm-hmm. The The way that I break it up is I have uh, a local press, an online press, a collector's list, and then a general audience list. And I can create different invitations and promotions um, based on each audience's sort of preference, what I think that they're going to be looking for. So with the general audience, I'm like, you know what, this is my opening. This is pretty plain language with a picture. Come to it, please. <laughs> you know, with my collector's list and like, Hey, it's, you know, it's a little more personal. Um, usually I like to do a preview for my collectors, like come to the cocktail party two days before the opening. It'd be great to see you. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. I include my contact information on that and a link to a specific page that is made public with images of all the work and a full press release, Hmm. which I also use for both press um, folders as well. The local press one, you know, that's like your weeklies and stuff like that, you know, that gets out. It's more generic unless I have know the writer then I'll mm. send them a more personal one, which is the same that I use for the online because usually I'm sent, you're sending it directly to the writer and not to the organization. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more specific you can be with your audience is great. But the great thing about that, once you have those out and sent and scheduled and their design tools are really easy to use on those as well. So you can match it pretty well to the visual brand that you have for your website and the Mm -hmm. other online tools. Um, You can go back and see who's opening it the most, how many times they've opened your email, which is especially um, helpful with the collector's list because then I can anticipate who's going to show up at the show and who's probably ready to buy. If they've opened the email like 20 times, I know they're excited. Right. Then I can also see like who's clicking links, which links are getting the most clicks and kind of use that information to design my next series of promotions. Hmm. Like, well, people were really interested in seeing this, so I'm going to include more things like that, and people weren't as interested in this, so maybe that's not going to be something that gets done next time. Hmm. You know, and that's all, like, like that kind of stuff to me. Like, you used to use the Google Analytics, and it'd show you, like, what part of the country. And to me, a lot of that was just kind of trivial, Right. I was just like, how do I turn that into actionable information? Whereas the tools that I find on MailChimp are really useful. Um, And if you don't want to have like a bunch of different um, 
groups that you're you can use Mailchimp for free. The more different things that you want to do it, you got to pay for it a little bit more for it on a monthly fee, and that's up to you where you're going to put the value in that. Right. So, you know, to me, that information is really valuable, so I'm willing to pay a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's so funny if you think about like artists, you know, from history. You're you're so in a silo. Like it would be so hard to know. You'd just mm-hmm. be like making art and like hoping for the best. But it's amazing now that there's all these tools that you can be like, ah, oh, uh-huh, this guy opened it 20 times. Yeah. I mean, people can tell you one thing, but you, their actions are going to tell you a lot more, you yeah. know, because especially here in the Midwest, people are polite. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's real nice. And you're just like, well, that's helpful. Yeah. In no way at all. <laughs> but, you know, you can see if they're really excited, if they're like sharing it and right. everything. Yeah, I use MailChimp um, for uh, my Dell's curator email. Yeah. And uh, it's, again, it's super easy. Like if people feel intimidated by that stuff, it's the same thing. It's just very plug and play. And, you know, I just I just made one template years ago, and that's my weekly email. And it's once you set it up, I mean, it takes a few hours to set it up. But once it does, it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I'm not like a tech guy either, like at all. This, you know, these are things I've just taught myself and the these apps are just getting better and better yeah. at their usability and MailChimp's great. Yeah. It's not hard at all. Um, Twitter, I don't use. Yeah. That's the next one on my list just because. Did you used to? You know, when it first came out, I tried it, and then it just sat there, and I don't even think I canceled my account. It's probably got a picture that I made like 20 years ago as my profile pic and a post that said, hey, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. You know, it's just like, (laughs) but I know artists that use it are comfortable with using it, especially um, I think it's helpful for them doing like real-time promotion, like, hey, I'm at the gallery today, come down and see me, and things like that. But it's just, you know, I just don't like it. Yeah, me either. I, I still do use it every day. I don't use it for my art, but I use it for Jell's Curator. Mm-hmm. But um, because I just do a post on every morning, I have my post that goes up, and I promote it on Facebook. I don't pay ever, but Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And mm-hmm. the nice thing, then I, I don't really like Twitter either. But um, the nice thing, the development in the last couple of years is that they actually let you put a photo with it yeah. where it didn't used to be that it used to just be like you know 140 characters and I was like this is not my jam but then yeah. when they started letting you put images then I was like all right but yeah Instagram is really where I love being but you know and that's where my art is but but Twitter I'll use a little bit for Jaws Curator but I don't yeah. like it either really and before Instagram there was Flickr oh, which is yeah. kind of remember that yeah and you know I put that in here <laughs> I mean, it's not really worth discussing as using as a promotional tool anymore because I just don't yeah. think people even look to it. Um, you know, it's a nice little tool if you're like cataloging photos with a different group or whatever. But well, you but know, it's a- nice, like what you said in here. It's nice to discuss it in the fact that these things come and go. Yeah, you know, like and you- it's like you have to, like, you don't have to do it all all the time thing like like you said like I don't like Twitter I set it up I don't do it so okay yeah. that's fine like I, I meet people all the time that, at events who have this self-imposed guilt about not being on whatever every single day and not jumping on Snapchat or Vine and then now Vine's oh gone God. you know and yeah. it's just like don't like and I never even set up a Vine account because I was like this is dumb I, I just don't want to it just didn't interest me 
Yeah. And, you know, so I just, you have to just feel comfortable with the things that you're doing and do them mm -hmm. well. And I think a good way to judge that is, you know, you have your, let's call it a mission statement for your studio practices um, that are your goals, you know, and if you find that you're using these things and you're kind of like getting hooked on just getting likes and clicks or whatever, um, but that's not in service of what your ultimate goals are, then that's probably not working for you. Right. And like, you know, you need to be able to translate how those things are functioning for you. Um, and if it's servicing your, your, your goals overall. Yeah. Cause it's taking and, away your time from actually making. Yeah. yeah. So like a, a lot of like, you know, let's talk about Instagram next, you know, it's really easy to get, think I need to get like hundreds and hundreds of likes and like, well, likes are great and everything, but for me, what I'm looking for is how many people are visiting my profile and clicking on my link to my website. I'm looking for how many shares that it's gotten and I'm looking for bookmarks and comments and the likes I could care less, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, and it's just the way they have it, these things set up, it's just like, they make you want that, but yeah. you have to be disciplined and like, look away from it, you know, because you can get a thousand likes, but I think two profile visits with clicks to my website are more valuable, mm -hmm. you, you know, because that's somebody who's actually engaged and you know, who I'm going to have contact with eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah likes are people flying by through their feed and just going like, 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 like as they're zooming through things. Yeah, I'm taking yeah. a dump and I'm killing time. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Poop. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bathroom guys are like, it's not finished yet. Get out of here. Oh, <laughs> you know what? You guys took too long. Yeah. Um, this is happening. <sighs> so Instagram's my daily tool. <laughs> like I may not post on it every day because I may not have something to post. Um, but when I do post, like I found like certain times of day are better than others to get more visibility. Like I like to post around 11 a.m. or three in the afternoon because then it's in people's feeds for when they're having lunch or blowing off the last hour of work. Yeah. Coffee you know? break time. Yeah. Um, and that's a good time to do it. And, you know, like I was saying before, I like to include teasers like sketches. Um, you know, I've done videos of me just coloring with a crayon and people find those interesting. I don't know why. <laughs> But, you know, those are all part of telling that story and building that narrative. And it's all about building that anticipation. And as I get closer to the exhibition date of the show, then I'll start sharing finished work, um, being careful not to overshare because I want people to have a reason to come to the show. Right. You know, but, yeah. Like, you don't want them to think they've seen it all. So now there's no point in coming. Yeah. But yeah. you can tell the story like here it is, like laid out in the gallery. I'm like, ooh, that's exciting. Um, or you know, studio shots and stuff like that, all building up to it, which are great. And people, and then it's like, kind of like, uh, you know, old serial radio shows or books and things like that, where you're just giving a little bit at a time and um, having people anticipate what's coming next. 
and then, you know, of course comes, um, once the show's up pictures of install pictures of people, like I never really understand why some people think a photo of an empty gallery with artwork is more appealing than a photo of a gallery full of people. Yeah. You know, because people see people do things, they want to do those things, you know? And so if you have a picture from an opening where people are having fun, use that when you're promoting the next weekend, when you want people to come out, when they're on their day out, say, look at all these people had fun here. You could too. (laughs) Do you like having fun? I do. Come on down. (laughs) Um, But anyway, Instagram too, like you can pay to promote. And I do that leading up to the show on Instagram. I'm willing to spend a little more on Instagram um, just because it takes people right back to my website and I'm able to use their analytics more effectively than Facebook's. But then you can also use hashtags still on Instagram pretty effectively mm-hmm. to try. That's the thing about Facebook. I think the main contrast that I draw between Instagram and Facebook is like with Facebook, you're not liable to be reaching a new audience with Instagram. You have a really good chance of bringing a new, newer audience to your work with hashtags. Yeah. With hashtags. Yeah. And you know, I keep in my notes app on my phone, I keep lists of hashtags that I use depending on the scenario of the photo that I'm sharing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's, um, if it's a typographic work, I have different hashtags that I use with that. If it's floral work, I use different hashtags for that or with animals or portraiture or things like that, because, you're able to break that down into different audiences that might find your artwork appealing that aren't necessarily looking for artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good, good way to add followers or, you know, bring people to your aware of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do you put for masturbating sloths? Fucking masturbating you, sloths. Yeah. That's going to bring in a whole <laughs> new audience. <laughs> Bark fetish. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, well, see, I, just I still do- have to finish that one. But yeah, like Instagram's been great. And then I feel like, you know, you're having more of like a constant dialogue with your audience and you're really able to like concentrate on that story and tell that narrative and sort of feed that beast that wants to know what you're doing. And it's just like, and you can do it in a really controlled way too. Mm-hmm. I think it's perfect for artists right now. Like it's just, it's so all about the visual and the story, which is what so much about being an artist is, right? So, I mean, it's that's sort of my go-to all the time now for... I have a separate account for my art mm-hmm. and then the Jaws Curator, and um, it's great. I, I spend a lot of time on there. And they have the stories now, which yeah. are great for sharing things in real time. Um, like, you know, you're at an opening, you're like, this is a cool show, come down here and show all the people at the show and some of the artwork and you know, yeah, I'm people very will new actually to take action on that. It, it took me, it wasn't until this past summer and I was in um, Venice for the Biennale and Liz mm-hmm. from UW, now Augsburg. Yeah. <laughs> she's down with the kids because she's a teacher with kids. And I was like, yeah, I don't get this stories thing. And so she's like, oh, I'll show you. You just click on this and then do this. And it like, I, uh, it's a whole new world. But it took me a long time to actually figure out A, how to do it and B, when to do it. 
Yeah. You know, some people yeah. are so good at it and it's just very natural, but for me it's still it's still a little bit awkward. I'm working on it though. Yeah, and it's like the stories can be more fun and yeah. a little less serious in comparison to the other ports. Like And do um, they go can, away eventually do they go away after Yeah. A certain amount of time? Yeah. They disappear and um like I get a lot of you know, you get your messages and Instagram and I get a lot of notices that people um, tagged me in their stories and things like that, which are always fun to see. And then you can like redo the story and mm, yada, yada, yada. And sad. so it, it becomes a thing that can be perpetuated and reused, I think, more often than a post would be reposted. So because right. people are just having more fun with it. Right. But I'm still figuring that out, too. Yeah, That's, we're old. So fucking old. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting, though, because it's like we're having this conversation now, the beginning mm. of 2020, and it's like, I wonder what, like, even at the end of this year, there'll be something that isn't even, like, that we're not even using yet. That's the thing, right? It's just like, oh, I remember feeling like that when I was a web designer because mm-hmm. my print designer friends could master something, right? Yeah. Where with web design, I mean, I started in, I went to school for it in 97. So it was just starting. And it was just like, every time I mastered something, it was like, oh, and now there's this thing called Slash. And now there's this thing. And I I was like, son of a bitch. Like, just let me get good at something. Like, why is there always something new? Yeah, I I think that kind of goes to the sort of attitude that you have to be open to new things and just kind of go with it. You know, if you are too rigid with this, then you're going to get frustrated. Yeah. If you're like back in my day, this worked just fine. And it's like, well, yeah, but are you, yeah, yeah. you got to move with the times. But I, I, I also get that. You got to be willing to fail a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to take a while to figure out how to use it and be like, Oh, you know, and people's online memories is so short. Your failure years. Don't yes. mean the same thing. Yeah. So, well, and I think, and also what you said right at the very beginning of this, it's like you don't have to do it all. So, like Vine shows up, and it's like, well, don't you don't have to do it. I mean, like let it. Sometimes I let things do their thing for a bit and watch, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I, I like how that's working, and I could actually commit some time to that. I will do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched stories for a long time before I was like. Like, I hate video of myself. Like, I don't want to show that. Where some people are con- are just, it's always like they're just got the camera on them and they're talking and whatever. Like, that's, I just, I don't want to do that. But that doesn't mean that's the way I need to do stories. I can do it a different way. Yeah, exactly. But I had it, to watch for a little bit to figure out how to do it the way that I wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It, something to be said about not jumping right in. Yeah. For sure, you know, us, we got to be careful because yeah. we're so frail. Old, you could break a hip. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm not going down that road. No, no, no. It's a long, long road. Okay, what are we um, on now? We're on Pinterest. Yes. You know what I use Pinterest for? And this is all I really use it for. Um, I like to, you know, you can find the sources from where people are posting from. And yeah. I think it's kind of interesting because I like to look at a lot of art on Pinterest because I'm looking, I have boards for inspiration and things like that. 
which is useful. Mm -hmm. But also, um, I like to click on those images and see where people are finding those images and going back to the sources because, you know, and make notes of that. Because later when I'm doing my promotion, um, these those sources become contacts for me to approach for um, trying to have them write about my work or feature my work in an article if that's what they're doing, if it's an online blog like Jealous Curator. I was going to say, do a lot of them link you back to Jealous Curator? Because every morning, that's the other thing, is I, I pin every single artist I write about every morning. That's the first thing yeah. I do is I go in and I go to that specific link and I pin it. And um, if you go to contemporary art <laughs> section on Pinterest, so many of them are mine. Yeah. Because I've been doing cool. it every day for years. And it's a great, you know, I think it's really useful like that. And I found, you know, places that have ended up doing little articles and things about my work that I wouldn't have known before. And then that right. gives you something to promote on your social media and link back to your website. And the circle becomes complete. Yes. <laughs> well, and you're so smart, too, because you can, with all the social media stuff, you can just take it very top surface, glossy likes, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you do a tiny bit of digging, it doesn't take very much. Like no. there's a lot of information just below that shiny like top layer. And that's where the, that's where the gold is. You know, you have to like just dig a tiny bit and yeah, you find all these different places that you didn't even know existed. Or I use Pinterest to find other artists because you'll find one and it's like a rabbit hole, mm -hmm. you know, and I end up finding like so many cool people and then you go and you find their site and then you end up finding who they follow and it's like oh my god mm -hmm. look at this and so yeah and then as an artist you can see yeah who's writing about them where are they showing oh my god yeah. i love this gallery i think they'd like my work reach out to yeah. that gallery yeah it's just a great sort of reference yeah you just have to put know? in a bit of time yeah and you know that's also something too you just schedule that into your studio practice like you know, that falls in my time under the umbrella of doing research, Yeah. you know, that I do a couple hours a month and, you know, I build up these databases and these are the things that I go back to when it's time to do promotion and I'm all prepared and ready to go. So yeah, it yeah you're not seem kind of like, starting from square one when it's time to promote something. Yeah. It doesn't seem like such a hassle then if you're, if you're keeping up with it, you know, yeah. and consistent. Well, I've said this, I think, I don't know if it was our conversation, but I've said this on the podcast before that I've kind of discovered for myself that I'm not very creative in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I do all of this stuff because, yeah. um, starting at about one or two in the afternoon, that's when my kind of creative mojo happens. So I do all of my admin, all of the insights, all of the metrics, all of that stuff in the morning when I'm just drinking coffee. And then in the afternoon, I'm like, okay, down to the studio. And that's when I'm creative. And then I don't feel guilty that it's like, oh, I should be blah, blah, blah. It's like, I already did it. And I did it in yeah. a time when I wasn't going to be creative anyway. Yeah. So if people can find that time, you know, I have friends that like they're most creative in the morning. So they wake up at mm -hmm. 5 a.m. and they work until noon and then they do their, you know, errands and stuff in the afternoon. So just find that time where you're not creative anyway and just put in half an hour or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's if you make it a routine yeah. or you make it a habit, just like, yeah, you then know, it's maybe also this daunting. is a good time to make a resolution about getting organized and all this stuff. I think if, it is. 
I just did like and a little mini episode over the holidays because I can't control myself and I have a mic in my house and I must record myself apparently mm-hmm. um, because there's no video. Um, and that's what I was talking about was that I, I did a list, um, a 100 list in 2010, <laughs> January 1st of 2010. And I wrote a hundred things that I wanted. And back then I was living in the suburbs with, a, I had a three-year-old, I jealous curator was like 10 months old. And, um, it's insane the things that have happened because I kind of put my intentions out there and got a little bit organized. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so so nerdy, but like it works. Speaking of nerdy. Yeah. (laughs) What do you got? You know, I always set my goals beyond my reach because then I anticipate that I'll at least do more than I would otherwise. Right. You know, just because I know who I am, I'm like, okay, this is what's got to happen. So I'm going to say I'm going to do this and then maybe I'll get three quarters of the way there and then I'll be in a better place than I am today. You know, don't lie to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what it takes for me to get going some days. Yeah. What are we going to talk about next? I Um, think, well... What if, what's this, oh, Etsy is an interesting thing to just quickly touch on before we, yeah. Yeah, I don't we, use Etsy anymore. No. It was use, useful for a while. It was I mean, amazing just, for a while. Like, back in the day, it was crazy. And yeah, then that's now another it's not. thing where, you know, the technology change has become so easy to have um, an interface on your website for selling art that you don't need to depend on. Well, in the sense, you don't have to send anymore. people away. Like, it used to be that you'd have your site, and then you'd have a link to your Etsy shop, and so now they're no longer on your site anymore. It's exactly. so nice. Like, I, I set up a little shop in my Squarespace. It's so mm-hmm. easy. I just drag and drop the things I want to sell. Yeah. Done. And now that there's, you can have drop shippers on your site, so you can have prints and other merchandise Mm-hmm. that you never have to deal with necessarily, although I would, would recommend getting at least one sample of each thing you're selling. So you yeah. know what you're selling. Um, you know, the it's just so easy. Then you don't have to carry the inventory. You don't have to go to the mails, the post office. The mail, almost, the mail place. That's what it's become it now. The mail store. That's uh, <laughs> where I go get my dudes. The... Uh, the only thing I would say about e-commerce is being very clear with your store policies, whether it's Etsy or your own store, as far as your pricing, what that includes, um, how you're going to package your work, how you're going to ship it, and then whether you're willing to accept returns and things like that. It'll just save you. If that's all like front and center and people know what they're getting into when they're buying work online, and it'll save you a lot of headaches mm-hmm. um, down the line because sometimes people get things and don't look, decide they don't like it. And you can say, well, sorry, I don't take Yeah, returns. see this little part where I already said it and you agreed to it when mm-hmm. you bought it? Yeah, yeah. You better learn to like it. That's right. <laughs> that doesn't, and that's not something that happens often. It just, you know, just every once in a while something goes weird. Yeah. And it's nice to know that you can have something to fall back on. Yeah. You know what I use Etsy for now is supplies. Oh, really? There's so many people selling weird stuff. Like I've bought a whole bunch of vintage 1980 scratch and sniff stickers Mm -hmm. for a series I was doing where there's like 
pom-poms or like there's all sorts of weird things because i'm in a little town right so sometimes you don't have access to like weird and wonderful things and there's oh. so many people selling really weird stuff and i kind of like that i'm supporting some random little person who happens to have a stash of 1980s stickers and there's you know i should say there's still artists on etsy yeah that are. Are selling a lot of art like you know jennifer davis yeah still has her etsy shop and that thing is booming because she was one of the beginners i think she mm -hmm. was one of the first people on there and so it's established for her but i think now there's so much on there there is that it's just impossible to wade through it but if if you know people know that she's on there because she was on there back in 2006 or whenever it start you know whenever the big boom was those Mm -hmm. people are fine and there's a handful of them Mm -hmm. but i think now if you came in now you are not going to be one of those people yeah, and then and it's just frustrating. De- they definitely have their own audience. Yeah, they're, they're looking for small collectibles, and that's not where I live. So I'm just yeah. like, okay, I'll go do my own. And that's been when we're it works fine for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like I sell it off my website, and that's cool. Yeah. Um, but let's talk a little bit about uh, media attention. Yes. Online. And I was especially excited to talk to this about this with you because you are a media destination. Um, I like to call it a media empire, but you know, sure, destination's fine. Yeah, and you know, I. But yeah, we touched on this a little bit before, but having um, online media's. Sorry about that's my contractor calling me. Oh. Um, <laughs> Having online media sources writing about your work and bringing attention to it is great for two reasons, because they're expanding your audience and driving traffic back to your hub, your website, as well as your social media platforms. But then also, um, oh, my God, I just got distracted by that guy. I'm sorry. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that gives you some place to establish links to. Um, I used to keep a blog on my website. I don't anymore. And I hide those links in my bio page on my website. So when people are searching, it just brings you up further on search engines. But, you know, having that content out there gives you something to talk about in your social media platforms and link back to and share. And it's something that's more likely for your friends and people to share as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's just great. It It's just a win-win-win when that happens. But then you wonder, well, how do you get people to write about your work? And, and I was curious to find out how you're finding a lot of your artists. Mm-hmm. If it's cold calls or if it's from hunting. Both. So um, a couple of years ago, I put a little submission um, button on my site so that people could mm-hmm. send in. So I get like about 100 a day. Um I used to have an auto response to let them know that I'd read it. It broke. I don't know how to fix it. So if anybody submits and I don't write you back, it's because I cannot figure out how to get this like auto reply to work. Anyway, I do look at every single submission that comes through, um, Mm. which is great. I get a lot of stuff from there. Um, Mainly it's hunting. Like what I was saying about digging just below the surface. It's like, I find a lot of people through rabbit holes of other artists, right? So if I'm on someone's Instagram feed um, that I love and they mention one of their friends, 
mm-hmm. or they post about somebody, I'm like, ooh, because I mean, obviously they're going to have the same sensibility if they're kind of running in the same circle. So suddenly, ooh, I pop over there. So I do spend a lot of time digging. Um, I don't know how many hours, but for me, it's pure joy. Like I don't feel like, oh, I need to schedule this time. Like I just love doing it anyway. So it's totally fine. Um, so mainly it's from hunting. I do like to look on Pinterest, but now I have saturated Pinterest with my own pins. So I'll find stuff and I'm like, oh my God, I love it. Oh, that was my post. Oh my God. I lo- oh, that's my post. <laughs> I already did that. That looks familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, but my advice would be like, what, what drives me crazy is I don't like it when people send out mass mailings to my like mm-hmm. you know when it's like you know that it's going to all the other art blogs and me it's yeah. like well I don't want you because they're going to pick you up right away and then we're all writing about you on the same day I, it's like send stuff to people even if you are sending it to everybody in one shot like on the same day send personal emails yes show me that you actually know what my site is like <clears throat> I get I've been getting a lot of submissions for um I'd love to write a guest post on your site it's like well, if you looked at my site, you would know that I have never had a guest post. So why are you emailing me about writing a guest post? Like, have you looked at my site? Or some of my favorite one is when I get, Dear Dave. <laughs> like, my name's not Dave. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, okay, delete. Like, if you can't put enough, like, I'm about to put a lot of time into researching you, writing the posts, sharing on social, sharing on Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. If you can't put the time into researching me and, and knowing if you probably are a good fit or not, like generally speaking, I get really thoughtful, beautiful submissions. There's just like, uh, uh, you know, out of a hundred, there's like five that annoy me. And that's mm-hmm. what they are. They're the ones that are just like, they haven't done the research. They're sending it to everybody. They say, dear sir. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not a dude. Um, that bugs me. Exactly. I mean, the first <laughs> thing that I have, I, I think about it the same way that as you approach a gallery or anything like that. And, you know, I think those people that are just sending those mass emails are just looking for a one and done. Yeah. I, I think it's smarter for you to think about this as an opportunity to start a relationship with somebody that could be interested in your work and help your career. Yeah. You know? And so the way I have this part kind of outlined is like, obviously start with research, you know, find out just like with galleries, which writers would be more disposed to featuring your work um, based on other artists that they've done you know, even pick artists that you like and Google them Yes. and find out who's writing about them as a way to find out um, places to go and to approach, you know, check the links on those media outlets and who they're supporting and follow up on those and see if maybe those won't be somebody that could be interested in you as well. Mm-hmm. And then m- make an effort to find out who's pushing the pen on the other end of the Internet. Yeah, You know, find out the name of the writer so you can, as personal as you can make it, is best. Totally. And some people don't want to do that work, but it's worth it. And, you know, now, like, there's things like like Boom, for example, Boom.com. They, he's much, well, he's got a whole bunch of writers now, but Jeff Hamada is the the guy mm -hmm. that runs that. The work that he likes is much sort of edgier and darker than the work that I like. Yeah. Um, which is fine. It's great. It's just more exposure for different kinds of people, right? 
But mm-hmm. chances are, like, don't send that stuff to all of us. Like, I'm not going to write about it. And, yeah. And now I'm just kind of annoyed that you didn't bother to pay attention to what I write about. Sometimes if people are really sweet and they've sent me an email and, you know, they're they're big fans and whatever, but, you know, and they send me their work and it is a bit darker or whatever, I will write them back and say, you know what? It's not right. Like, it's great, but it's just not my taste. But you should send this to Boom because they would love it. Yeah. And so I, you know, if people are really sweet in their emails, I want to help them. Like that's the yeah. whole reason I do what I do. I want to help. I don't just go, oh, this isn't my style. Delete. I think, oh, you know who would love this? Or like Colossal. They they post about crazy, weird, you know, um, mm-hmm. really intricate stuff. Or maybe I don't post about that as much. So I'll be like, you should send this to Colossal. I think they'd go crazy for it. And then they do, and they get picked up, and their stuff mm-hmm. goes crazy. Yeah. And I'm happy to help make that happen. Um, <clears throat> you know, if if the email is written in a really nice, respectful way and they actually are, you know, have, have done a tiny bit of research. Well, no, not a tiny bit. They've done some research. Yeah, and it just takes a little time. You know, not it's not that hard to do. No, it, it's it, not. It, I mean, you really ought to be keeping up to date on what's happening around you. Yeah. In the art world and stuff anyway. I mean, and it's pretty easy now with like, I mean, all you have to do is like, flip through Pinterest or Instagram or whatever, and you can see where the majority of people are. Like when I first, I started in 2009, early 2009, and there were a zillion art blogs because everybody Mm -hmm. had a blog and a lot Mm -hmm. have dropped off. You Mm -hmm. know, there's sort of like a handful of really strong ones now that, um, there's lots of cool little ones too, but there's sort of a handful of big strong ones that you can reach out to really quite quickly. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, like in my case, I established relationships with those writers before they became gigantic art blogs and things so I can go back to that well yeah um and the great thing about those postings because there are smaller ones too and there are other sources looking for content you know those articles are already written and people are just reposting them on their own blogs Mm -hmm. and so you can with like with one good post from like um jealous curator or boom or it's nice that or Mm, you know one of the bigger blogs yeah you know, you can have two months of reposts on other blogs going. Yeah. That you can just like keep feeding into your social media, mm-hmm. you know, and don't, it's, don't throw it all out there at once, like space it out, like, hey, this is blah, blah, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I've noticed that people that I have written about, you know, they'll write me back a year later and go, oh, you know, here's a link to the post you wrote about me a year ago. Um, I've got a new body of work that I'd love to share with you. Great. Like that makes my job easier. There's my Tuesday post, you know. And then also in your research, look at print publications as well, because most of, well, you know, all of them now have online publications as well. Yeah. Where their writers have a little freer reign and promoting things that necessarily wouldn't be in the magazine. Yeah. So you can say, you know, you can be on Juxtaposed or Beautiful Decay or High Fructose or any of those publications, you know. They'll do a smaller online article and then, you know, you're in there and they know about you and you can keep going back to that and hopefully someday you'll get into print. I've known that's worked for for people that artists that I know. I've mm-hmm. I've gotten as far as the the websites, but that's fucking great exposure, you know? So Yeah. And and again, find out who the writers are and email them directly and keep it personal and be like, Hey, I really like what you've been writing about. You know, this is what I've been doing. I thought maybe you might be interested in it. Here's an image sample and a link. Well, and speaking from somebody who's constantly looking for content, they are looking for content. 
Mm -hmm. they they want as much help as they can to be like it's like oh my gosh i've got to write x many posts by this time it's like ah where should i even you know you can only dig through pinterest so much and it's like if if gold is coming to your inbox thank you (laughs) and don't forget about your local media outlets as well like i get my news of the world from my little community newspaper the southwest journal (laughs) and um you are laughing. But the <laughs> oh, no, buzz, it sounds great. It sounds great. My favorite section is the biz buzz. It's where all the local businesses who's closing and opening is gossip. Um, <laughs> did you hear? <laughs> did you hear? But anyway, there's, there's still your weekly rags and then your local papers and community papers and things like that. And a lot of those writers are writing for different things, too, so... Make sure to include those people in your databases and start relationships with them as well. And, you know, those are great. Like the the local weekly here is called the City Pages. And uh, the writer that does the uh, weekly, like what to go out and do this weekend in the art scene is somebody that we've established a really good relationship with at the gallery. And she's somebody that I can count on be like, Hey, Jessica, we've got this cool thing coming up. Would you mind featuring it? She's like, yeah, you guys are always so great. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, keep those relationships going, but do be aware that unlike online media outlets, print media, you're going to have deadlines that you're working against. So be sure, especially like with the monthly glossies, you're going to want it to at least two months ahead of time, get them your press release. Yeah. Um, probably more lead time than that. And with the, even with the weeklies, you want to give them a couple weeks time. So it helps to be organized and have your press release together. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest reason for anybody not to get these opportunities is not to do the work. Yeah. You know, you have to put the work in to get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and you got to be organized. Like I, Ooh, nice I segue. Keep, do you like how I did that? Yeah, that I was keep really a, good a bookmark folder on my browser um, where I just pop in all those links to the different media outlets that I've been researching. And then, you know, I have little subdivisions like this is because I look more for more than just art blogs. I look for um, people that are writing about art and design or architecture design and, Mm -hmm. you know, textiles and things like that too, because those are all things that are part of my work. And my discipline. So if you have other outlets like that, it's good to pursue those too, because, um, yeah, you know, it broadens your reach. Well, it broadens your reach. And that's a more unique article to them. Like, Hey, this artist like designed all this wallpaper. That's cool. Let's talk about his art and his wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it gives you a little bit of an edge in those venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and, so smart too. It's just, it doesn't have to be like a big, like stressful, crazy thing. It's like, just have some bookmarks on your browser. Drop them in. Drop them in. You don't have to do anything with them that particular day. You just find a cool thing, throw it in there, and then when you do want to do something, you've got like a big old bucket of them. Yeah, and then, you know, further research, find out who the writers are and how best to contact them. Um, you know, if you have their emails, that's great. Add that to another database in your MailChimp and make sure to keep those personal. Don't send those like with your general press release. Uh, don't call them Dave if they're a lady named Danielle. Yeah, and then um, also if they have specific submission guidelines, make sure to follow those. Don't just blanket everything the same. Mm-hmm. 
because that's also seen as disrespectful and that's going to turn people off. Ooh, ooh. And people sometimes send me Dropbox links. Yeah. I'm not going to open that because I, you know, like, or like they'll send me like a big thing where I have to go download it. It's like, I don't know if, if it's a virus, like just mm-hmm. point me to your website or point me to your Instagram and I'll go. I'm, I will go. I swear I go to every single one, but like, I'm not going to download anything onto my machine. Well, and you don't have to have giant file size no. images for, especially for online. Like, you know, you'll want to keep a couple high res images and those are only if somebody's printing it in a magazine or right. a paper and they'll contact you when they want that. Yeah. Just be at the ready with it, yeah. you know? Um, and again, like before you start sending out your queries as well, it doesn't hurt to have somebody else take a look at what you're writing mm-hmm. and see if you sound okay. Cause you can sound kind of mental when you get in a headspace. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, oh, is this the right thing to say? I don't know these people, really. Are they going to think I'm just, like, an opportunist asshole? And then I end up writing this, like, psycho babble. And I'm like, okay, i got to take a look at this again <laughs> and make it sound like a human being. Um, so, you know, that's something we all go through, I hope. Yeah. Um, I, when I'm doing that, like, reaching out to, like, Brené Brown to write a blurb on the back of my book, I write the email and then I, I leave it for a day in my drafts. Mm-hmm. And then I go back and be like, "Oh, I was sounding way too needy," or I, you know, it's just like, "Okay, let's take a, let's take out five of the exclamation marks." Yeah, and yeah. just like mainly <laughs> just be personable yeah. and professional and approachable. You know, yeah. like just be nice. Yeah, and be nice. We could have said all of that. Just be nice. Yeah, but don't don't sound too needy. Like if you don't do this this is the end for me. Like that doesn't work. (laughs) Just like appeal to people's better judgments. (sighs) Um, so then once you get, you're successful and you've been posted, what are you going to do? Um, send a thank you. I love the thank yous. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just like I mentioned before, you want to start relationships and that's how like you continue the relationships just send a nice note and just say hey thank you so much this means so much to me it was such a great article i'm going to share this on blah 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 and blah 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 and link it in my um website this is the best if you ever have any other information or questions about my work feel free to contact me directly at my email address and i look forward to reading more from your whatever they're doing mm-hmm you know, and that's all it needs to be. So the next time you send them a body of work that you want to promote, they remember like, oh, yeah, they were a thoughtful person. I'll take a look at this. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you totally. Do. It's just Even common though, sense. It's all just common sense. But for some reason, sometimes it goes out the window. I don't, you know, we all yeah. do it. Common sense goes out the window sometimes. But well, yeah. even though you're staring at a screen, there's a human being on the other end. And don't forget that. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the thing. Like, it's easy to forget that you're dealing with people when you're just like, you know, using the same thing that you use for your porn. So, <laughs> see, this Sorry. is what I love about Terrence Page. It's like you're so smart and insightful, and like this is all so very like professional and whatever. And then mm-hmm. you throw that in. Yeah, because I'm a horrible person at heart. So. Yeah, which I love. <laughs> That's why I love you. I love people who have a little vein of evil going through them. Then you know, um, then you yeah, know there's something going on below the surface. Um, also, you know, we mentioned this before, I'm sorry, the, 
repost on social media and link back to everything and, you know, get that ball rolling. And also make sure that you have your Google alerts set up because, like we talked about before, especially if you're on the bigger blogs, you're going to get picked up on smaller ones too, and that gives you more content to use later. So, mm-hmm. you know, just keep following up on things and do not be worried about it looking like humble bragging or whatever. This is your job. This is what you do. This is how you promote your work. People that are interested in your, like, your friends might think you're kind of a douche, but so what? They, <laughs> they can go do. follow your dog um account they don't have to follow this if they don't want to yeah but like you know for what you're doing for your art career this is important and you should be okay with promoting yourself um so just do it yep i think that's um um, a particular like just from people that i've met um emails i've gotten it's a particularly bad problem for women Mm -hmm. i think women have been trained to be like oh oh no you know it's no big deal you know and it's like, no, you, you can be loud and proud and go, yes, look at all these awesome things I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's frustrating. And I, I mean, I've had to work. I always joke that, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got th- everything stacked against me because I'm an artist, I'm a woman and I'm Canadian. So I just apologize <laughs> for existing basically. Um, and so, you know, you have to work at it sometimes to be like, you know what, this is awesome. I'm going to share it. And, and, uh, yeah, you're right. It's part of your job. Like, how else is the information going to get spread about? And we have these tools now, so why yeah. not use them? And it goes right back to what we were talking about, um, putting value on your work and what you do. Yeah. You know, and by putting this out there, it says, yeah, I believe in what I'm doing. You should believe in it, too. And for, you know, I said, like, your friends looking at it might think about it one way because they know you too well. But right. to people that only know you as an artist, they're going to be like, wow, that's really cool. They deserve it. I like yeah. their work. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to make them a rich person. Yeah. And... I'm just going to send them piles of money right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That doesn't happen, but <laughs> well, it hasn't happened for me. Well, I don't know. 2020. Who knows what's going to happen in 2020? But you know what? I made enough to get a new toilet. So whatever. Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, other than. I don't know, you know, and just keep looking and stay interesting is, and by that, I mean, keep pushing yourself in the studio, keep making new work that's different than what you have shared before. Yeah. So you're very smart. Yeah. Those were some good pain points. Those are some pain points for sure. They are. And like, again, like when you talk about it, it is all common sense, but like, these are things that paralyze some people. So, yeah. you know, I think the more we talk about it and go, you know what? They do paralyze you. It's But that's okay. Like, you know, even have a friend that, like, um, I've got one friend who should be posting way more because her work is insanely beautiful. But um, she's got, like, social anxiety issues. I, I message her every now and then and give her little challenges. And I'm like, okay, I challenge you to post three times this week. I'm watching, you know. And she does it. And there is something you brought up the last time that we talked Um if you are feeling overwhelmed and like you don't have time to do this and everything else, ask for help. Yeah. Like you had mentioned, you're bringing somebody in every so often to help you with this kind of stuff. And I started thinking about that after we talked and I was like, you know, I should think about that too, because I'm killing myself trying to keep up with everything lately. Mm -hmm. What if I budget like X amount of dollars a month and hire you know, one of the assistants at one of the galleries that I know and say, Hey, would you mind helping me out? Yeah. 
the table or whatever. Like, but I feel like I had to, you know, with that, it's like you have to go through this. I'm basically extremely cheap. And so (laughs) I had to like go through this whole process of like giving myself permission, you know, and it's just like, it's the same process I go through, like buying a new pair of pants. Like it starts with, you don't, you don't deserve pants. (laughs) And they're like, well, maybe if they're on sale, Terry, you know, swing by the thrift shop first see what you can yeah what do they got at the nordstrom rack today well i think it's it's cheap and controlling Mm -hmm. that's my problem i am cheap and controlling like um see for me i don't mind doing all the social and stuff i actually find it quite fun but what i hate um so i have a solo show coming up in nashville in march and Mm -hmm. i had to prep yesterday Sorry, ooh, little cough out of nowhere. <clears throat> I had to prep 34 panels yesterday. I hated every second of it. I mm-hmm. spent the majority of the holiday knowing that I had these down in my studio, and I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it today. No. And I did it yesterday. I hated every single second. And my husband was like, I'll do it for you. Like, I just have to, like, gesso them and stuff. He's like, I'll do it. And I was like, you're too drippy. <laughs> Yeah. He was like, oh my God, but you hate it so much. Just let me do it. I'm like, no, because you won't do it right. Um, but then that might be the like going, okay, you know what? I'm going to do all my social, but I'm going to find somebody who can come in once a month or whatever, who is mm-hmm. super anal. Like oh, this friend of mine who's been helping me, she is super anal. She would come in and she would do a beautiful job and she'd be happy to do it because she likes doing that stuff where I do not. You know, so it's like, just figure out where those holes are. And if you can enlist somebody, um, this is kind of a reverse thing because you're going to be up in a couple of weeks. Ashley Longshore, when, when people hear this episode, they will have already heard the Ashley Longshore episode that I mm-hmm. am recording in an hour from now. Yeah. So I don't know what she's going to say, <laughs> but by the time people <laughs> listen to this, they will have known what she said. And I'm going to ask her about how she built her team because she now has a team of 20 something people and I'm so curious to know who was the first person she hired and why like what did she get them to do were they doing admin or were they doing panel prep or were they like who were they and why were they a friend was it a stranger like I'm so curious so anyway yeah yeah I won't go on and on because that will be answered already but that just seems so beyond like and I have like little moments where I'm just like I wonder if things would, obviously things would be easier if I had more help, but would I be further along in my career if I had invested more money into things instead of trying to do everything myself and being so stubborn and controlling? I don't know. See, that's what we're going to find out. Because the the, the thing I want to ask her is like, yeah, like did, it was it hard to delegate at the beginning. Um, Is she a delegation master now or was she always, um, I'm just so curious about it because, and I know one of the things she's going to say is, girl, you got to spend money to make money. And she can do so much more because she's got this giant team behind her. So she's not spending hours doing admin. She's not spending hours doing prep. She's like, she's got people that are doing that. So when, when it's time to be creative, I can already guess this just based on watching her on Instagram. When it's time to create, she sits down and she goes. Like yesterday yeah. was so annoying because I have all I've got the whole plan for this Nashville show. 
but I would I had hours that I prepped panels yesterday for almost eight hours like sanding and priming and mm-hmm. then drying and then priming again it's just like I just want to get to the art part yeah I mean so I'm, I'm so curious yeah like shelving ideas that I have for more ambitious and bigger projects because I'm just like okay that's just gotta wait until I do this and yeah. then maybe I can get to that and it's just like frustrating because you're always I feel like I'm always waiting to be able to do the things that I want to do because I have to honor the commitments that I have and I continue, you know, you stack things up and you got to get through it. And it's, and just it's all you. Up. It's all on you. And it turns into a slog sometimes. Yeah. So I'm curious, but see, all of these questions will be answered. People will be listening to this going, yeah, we already know all the answers about these exact questions because we heard them last week. <laughs> yeah. And but anyway, I just think it's interesting. So, um, yeah. We just gave them a ton more work to do. I know. <laughs> They're going to be busy. 2020 is already full. They're going to have to start thinking about 2021 already. Okay, before right. I let you go, because you have so much work to do, there's a lot mm-hmm. of coloring in your future. Um, we have there to do is. our quick segment called Shit Terry Says. Mm-hmm. Because that's my favorite thing about you. Yeah. the shit that you say. Um, so I'm going to let you choose between two topics, because last time I, I ambushed you with Halloween. So I'm this time I'm going to give you a choice. It, um, you can tell me something about tattoos, or you can tell me something about potato chips, because... In 2020, I, I, I'm thinking about getting my very first tattoo. I don't know. I said of a it, potato I, chip. Of a potato. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. And I'm trying to give up chips because I love them, but at this age, they are very, very bad for me. So that's your choice: tattoos and/or potato chips, or a story about a potato tattoo. Go. Well, oh my god, it just so happens I worked with a guy <laughs> who this fucking drugged out line cook at this place and we're out back smoking and he was he gave himself tattoos at home all the time oh and i was just like drugs and we're hanging out back having a cigarette one day and i was looking at his arm and he had he had given himself a tattoo of a dorito <laughs> on his forearm this is it, why this segment needs to exist because who has that story? You. Well, and then it had gotten infected, oh and I was like, "Is that cool, ranch or hot and spicy?" <laughs> and he's like, uh, "I don't know if I should keep doing this." And I'm like, "No, your fucking arm's gonna fall off, man." And I don't know what happened to that guy. He got fired. Oh. But I was gonna say, like tattoos, I don't have any. I'm not into them. Carolyn's got them head to toe. She's got all the tattoos in our family. But people often ask me if I will design a tattoo for them or if they can use a tattoo of my artwork as a tattoo or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want any fucking part of you putting anything to do with me on your body. (laughs) Like, I've already got a wife. That's enough contact with human beings. (laughs) So go for it. But just don't tell me about it. Is kind of where I go with that. Yeah. And then my potato chip story. This is the last one. Okay. I'm giving you three. I love it. Um, so I had bet my buddy, Fat Danny the Humper, that he couldn't eat this <laughs> hamburger called the Grand Royale, which was like two eggs, a pound of beef, and like ham and bacon. It was just this disgusting place at this place called the Poodle Club in Minneapolis, which was just kind of a dump. And so our bet was if 
I bet him he couldn't do it. He thought he could do it. Whoever won got to go to the restaurant of their choice on the loser's dime. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, him being Fat Danny ate the entire fucking thing. And I had to take him to the restaurant that he wanted to go to, which was in Duluth, Minnesota, because there's a restaurant on top of a hotel that, like, spun in a circle. Yes. (laughs) Or whatever. And I was like, are you fucking serious? So we had to haul our ass up to Duluth. And ate rent, had steaks at this restaurant, which was whatever. And then we went out and got shit-faced in downtown Duluth, mainly at the Red Lion, and got thrown out of the hotel that we were staying at because we were drinking on the roof, and apparently the people lived there that owned it. Um, And that's really the last thing I remember about that (laughs) evening. But the next day, I woke up in a different hotel, and I was covered in empty little plastic bags of these ketchup-flavored potato chips, which I had never seen before. It's Canadian. Exactly. I was like, what the fuck are these? And he was like, you were in Canada. They got those here. I'm like, how the fuck did we get to Canada? <laughs> oh, my God. He's like, we got thrown out, so you gave me the keys to your car, and I just kept driving north. We ended up in Thunder Bay. And I was like, <gasps> Thunder Bay, sure, why not? Oh, so oh my God. But you know what? Those chips are pretty good with the ketchup flavor on them. Right? So I got a big bag. And when we're coming back through customs, obviously this is pre-9-11. Otherwise, I don't think I'd be telling this story. And they were like, what was your business in Canada? And I held up an empty bag of those ketchup-flavored potato <laughs> chips. And I was like, well, you can't get these in the States. And so then they made us pull my car over and they took all the tires off and tore it apart looking for drugs. But that's how I discovered ketchup-flavored potato <laughs> chips. They're delicious. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that is such a Terry story. Yeah, that's um, these, what they the, here's, back here, in the day. Oh, here's, here's the Danielle story about ketchup chips. They were my favorite kind of chip. And when I was little, I would get 25 cents from the Tooth Fairy and a bag of chips cost 25 cents, and I would go to my local corner store and get a bag of ketchup chips every time. Also, it's a little different than yours. There's no drugs. Also, Greg's from Thunder Bay. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> of all places. Has he ever been to the Pier 16 bar? Because I got a story about that place. I don't know. I Well, he left as soon as he finished high school, so I'm guessing no. But it let me, like let me inquire. Kind of place. Pier like, 16? I don't know. It was the hotel bar at the hotel we're at. And we went in to get a cocktail and the bartender was trying to throw these dudes out and they were giving her a hard time. So we gave her a hand and then she gave us free drinks all night. Wow. And Is that where you I got was, all your tiny bags of ketchup chips from her? Those came later. Oh, okay. Well, those were the night before. This oh, was okay. Before we went got home. It. Got it. And, um, she noticed that I was smoking Marlboro cigarettes and was like, Ooh, can I have those? I'll trade you for some Canadians. And I was like, okay. And then this started this whole conversation about what's Canadian and what's American. And she was like, I bet you can't get these in the States and would hold up like Heinz ketchup. And I was like, yeah, we got that. <laughs> and we, she was just like grabbing things off the bar, but you don't get this in the States. I was like, no, we have that. And she started to get kind of offended. And then she held up the French's mustard. It's like, what about this? And I'm like, no, that's all you. (laughs) She's like, see, I told you Canada's better. Well, and were you holding out on her on how delicious the ketchup chips were? 
Yeah, I didn't want to talk about that. No, that we was... have those. We have also cheesies, Nanaimo bars. We've got a lot of good things. Yeah, I mean, that was a conversation that went from entertaining to being kind of scary. So I was just looking to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Get your big old jumbo bag and get back across the border. Mm-hmm. Call it a day. Mm-hmm. Okay, Terry, we're going to end it right there before I don't know what else you tell me. <clears throat> yeah. You've shared. That's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, go back in your studio, get that toilet installed, do some coloring, and um, good luck at your show in February. Send Thank me you. some information, and I'd be happy to do a post about it. I will absolutely send you <laughs> things when I have them, hopefully in one to two weeks. Yeah, exactly. Get get coloring. Um, okay, say hi to Carolyn for me, and uh, thank you so much again for your A, insight, and B, insane stories. I love them both very much. And, uh, yeah, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, absolutely. Okay. I'll talk to you later, Danielle. Okay, bye. Seriously, Terrence is the only person that could have a story on hand that involves both tattoos and chips. And yes, if you haven't tried Canadian ketchup chips, do yourself a favor. A flavor favor. Ooh, I think I may have just come up with a new slogan for them. You're welcome. Anywho, thank you so much to Terrence for sharing his wisdom and his shit. And if you're in Minneapolis, be sure to check out his show that opens on Saturday, February 8th from 7 till 10 p.m. at Rose Lux Gallery. Thank you to Thrive's online network slash resource library for supporting this episode, and big thanks to you for listening. There won't actually be any art for your ear next weekend because I will be in Maui, but there will be a brand new episode with an amazing guest that you've never heard from before the following weekend. See you then.